throughout the 18 and a half years, I did 10 years on lockup. 10 whole years on lockup, man, for trying to do the right thing and, and trying to fight the abuses and the justice. Because if you don't have nobody from the outside, you might as well be lost in the desert. Welcome to Kite Line, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in Indiana's prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on Kite Line, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before we get started with this week's theme, we want to share some prison-related news. At least 450 prisoners are on their sixth day of a hunger strike in Washington State Penitentiary. An unknown additional number of prisoners in high security units are also participating. The strike was triggered by concerns regarding food quality and long delays in serving meals that resulted in food being delivered cold. We'll share more updates as they come in. Next, we read a letter we received from a prisoner at Pendleton Correctional Facility. He writes, To Kite Line As we seek to address the issues of mass incarceration and increased recidivism rates, one of the key factors to consider is the misappropriate use of government fundings, grants, by private prison corporations. Government grants are given to state and federal prisoners not only to house prisoners, but to fund for programs that are supposedly to be for purposes of rehabilitation. While there are programs in state prisons, many programs such as educational and reformative programs have been removed from prisons. The programs in many of state's prisons are funded by the government to rehabilitate those incarcerated. But in order for programs to be effective, it requires that all involved to be fully committed in seeing that prisoners get the adequate help they seek. Sadly to say, but in most instances, prison officials and some government officials are not as sincere as they may portray themselves in rehabilitating prisoners in order to reduce mass incarceration and to reduce recidivism. Instead of officials being more concerned about providing help to prisoners, they are more concerned about how to scam the system by mishandling government funding for their own personal expenditures. While officials focus on scamming the system, less effort and attention is being put into programs to rehabilitate prisoners. In many programs that are in state prisons, the officials who direct them are less than qualified themselves to be directors or facilitators of such programs. For instance, there are Department of Labor programs at Pendleton Correctional Facility in the state of Indiana that are directed by Ms. Reinhardt, who does not have any state license nor certification for directing such programs. The programs that she oversees are housekeeping, office management, landscaping, plumbing, heating and cooling, welding, electrical, carpentry, and builder's repairer. She has been appointed as director over these programs, though she herself does not have any license. She has stated to participants that after the completion of any of the DOL programs, participants would be certified by the Department of Labor to have a journeyman license in that field of completion. By conveying such a message, we, prisoners, are motivated to not only participate 
but also to follow through to complete such programs that could potentially afford to prisoners new opportunities once released. Also, this could potentially afford ex-prisoners a career path that would help prevent ex-prisoners from recommitting crimes which led us to being incarcerated in the first place. In many cases, once prisoners are released, reality kicks in that it is difficult to find employment, let alone a career, as prisoners are labeled as being an ex-felon. Then, all effort in participating and completing prison programs are of no valuable use, which eventually results in many ex-prisoners to resort to the lifestyle that landed them in prison originally. Both prison officials and government officials are aware of the mere possibilities of ex-prisoners finding employment once released, though we prisoners are persuaded otherwise. These officials sell this pitch to prisoners to push for enrollment as well as to push prisoners to complete programs in order that the officials can show documentation of numbers that the programs are effective from the officials' point of view so that they can continue to receive government grants. From a prisoner's point of view, these programs are less effective because we never get the help of rehabilitation we desperately seek. It is also discouraging from a prisoner's point of view because these programs in many state prisons become a deterrent due to the programs are less beneficial to prisoners and are more beneficial to state officials. Personally, it keeps me from signing up or participating in many of the programs when knowing that the programs are only in state prisons so that prison officials can receive more government funding that they can misappropriate for their own personal use. I feel, why should prisoners participate in programs that benefit the very same system that has enslaved us? In order to reduce mass incarceration, Government officials need to have serious individuals in place to hold both government and prison officials accountable in overseeing that funding is being allocated appropriately. Also, more programs which are designed and facilitated by prisoners such as myself are needed in state prisons. An untapped resource to the solution of mass incarceration and the high rate of recidivism is prisoners. Prisoners hold the solution to most of the problems to help solve the issue of mass incarceration. Prisoners are aware of the help that we need and seek. As prisoners, we get more effective rehabilitation by turning to one another than in many programs. Prisoners are serious in the help that we seek, which could potentially better our lives. But it requires that sincere officials are also involved in seeing that prisoners get that required help. Prisoners, along with officials, both have to be active by contributing to this effort to reduce mass incarceration. Government and prison officials that mishandle government funding needs to be held accountable and brought to justice because they are causing society to suffer on two fronts. One being taxpayers' dollars are being used for prison officials' usage and not towards rehabilitating prisoners so that ex-prisoners will have a successful transition into society once released. Society also suffers due to taxpayers' dollars are not being allocated appropriately for purposes of rehabilitation. These effects are felt as ex-prisoners who never got the help 
they needed while incarcerated, that when they are released back into society, ex-prisoners tend to resort to a lifestyle that landed them in prison. As society, we can look to the statistics in increased numbers in recidivism as well as to increased rates of crime in states that have focused more on punishing individuals than on rehabilitating them. Taxpayers pay their taxes to see that prisoners get the help that they desperately need while in prison so that when ex-prisoners are released back into society, they would be productive members in society. These issues to ensure that taxpayers' dollars, along with government grants, are being allocated appropriately in state and federal prisons are among the plethora of issues that need to be addressed in our effort in reducing mass incarceration. As a solution to this current problem, more programs which are designed and ran by prisoners, activists, and advocates, along with incarcerated prisoners, are required. Again, majority of prisoners know the help that we need, which will enable us, once we do re-enter society, to be productive members. And now, we hear more from Abu Fahim Shabazz, who is the center of last week's episode. He continues to share reflections from over 18 years he spent inside. Last week, he described his tongue injury that was caused by an allergic reaction to Haldol, a strong psychiatric drug that he was forced to take while still a new prisoner. We encourage you to listen to last week's episode to hear more about the beginning of his time in prison. In this episode, he speaks about the importance of having pen pals and communicating with people on the outside, both for logistical needs and for maintaining morale. Fahim also speaks about issues with the medical care within prisons, the changes in education within the prison system, and what it all boils down to, money. Here's Fahim. I called one of my old lawyers who had the case with my tongue, and I said, man, I really should need to be at Wabash. We had a lawsuit down here. You're not supposed to be at the same prison which we had a lawsuit in. So he said, I see what I can do. So I was over there getting shook down probably three times a week, man. Like three times a week, I was literally getting my stuff coming up missing in my room. You know what I mean? I'm looking for my rhyme dictionary, can't find it. Looking for pictures, can't find it. Looking for my holy Quran, it's missing. You know what I mean? Just little stuff to try to get under my skin because they wanted me to react. But I was being smarter than that because I was too close to going home. So I just said, if they want it like that, they can hide that stuff, you know what I mean? But my life, they can't hide that. So, long story short, my mother had contacted the right people, which was, um, she called Kendall Falk and called my lawyer, and they set up something, they said that I'll be transferring soon. So, with the next two weeks, they transferred to Michigan City, and I was happy, you know what I mean? Because I had filed what's called a declaratory judgment because I had a pending lawsuit because of the stuff on my back. And that's where all that stuff stemmed from. You know what I mean? From me falling and all that stuff, me filing grievances on. They top sergeant stuff. So they ended up moving me. And I went to Michigan City, and that was the best thing that could ever happen to me because I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now hadn't it happened. So when I get to Michigan City, we did a month on lockdown as soon as I got there, and I got a JPEG from and she had told me she had read my packet that I sent her and that she understood everything I was going through 
And she said, if, if I need anything, I need any help, anything with medical, helping me out as far as anything, she was there for me. Because I'm a revolutionary and I came up amongst Calfani and Balagoon and Shaka. These some of the OGs that have been down 20, 30 years, you know what I mean? And they instilled in me right things, my brother Mustafa. So once she started reaching out to me, I let her know more stuff that was going on. She said she's going to try to help me get a lawyer with that lawsuit situation. And she bought me a back brace because now medical, quote unquote, they give it to you at wall baths. They give you back braces there and ankle sleeves and different things that you need, you know what I mean, if you get injured. But when I went to Michigan City, they like, we don't get the funding that Wallbass gets, so we don't get none of that. Y'all can't get that. How is it that it's all in Indiana DOC, but at one prison, y'all giving this, and at the next, you're not giving nothing, but y'all getting funded the same money. So that, that, that made me feel some type of way, and I still got that back brace right now. We talked and dialogued about different books, seeing with my head at education. We politicked about a lot of things, and she kept my head up for the most part, you know what I mean? And she was there for me, and she one of the reasons that I'm here right now. So with medical, medical really don't care. It's like you fill out these health cares, and it don't matter because you're not going to get seen that day, but they take the $5 off. So they might not see you for three days, but you're still getting charged. By the time you get seen, your cold might be gone, but you still got charged. It's really not no help in medical. For the physical medical part, the mental medical part, there's not no help. They just shoving the same medicine down on you. No matter if you're bipolar, schizophrenic, it's the same medicine. And they just think that something's going to cure the same thing. But that's not what it is. I reached out to medical time and time again. This is what's going on with my back. They give me lidocaine patches. They stopped giving me my patches because they said they was too much money. They said they didn't have the money to pay for that. So they give me something called Moby, which I never took a day in my life. And since I went through the stuff I went through with my tongue... I wasn't about to try it. I never took it. So I dealt with the pain, you know what I mean? The best I could. The backlash from it is just really horrible, but I feel like if you don't do something, it's gonna continue to happen on a major level because that's why they doing the things they doing because people ain't doing nothing. And they getting away with it. And when they find revolutionaries like myself and the other comrades, they wanna send us a lockup because they don't want us to infest the prison and have the same mindset that we got. So they send you to lock up. It's just crazy, man, because throughout the 18 and a half years, I did 10 years on lock up. 10 whole years on lock up, man, for trying to do the right thing and, and trying to fight the abuses and the justice. Because if you don't have nobody from the outside, you might as well be lost in the desert because they're going to do whatever they want to do to you. When I first got locked up in 2000, they was getting $20,000 a head for each inmate, convict, comrade, offender. You see what I'm saying? These are the labels they put on you. I don't like to be called an offender or an inmate because I'm not that. 
I'm a convict. You know what I mean? Y'all job is to catch us and our job is to get away from you because you ain't trying to do nothing but bring me down. You don't want to see me get no education. You don't want to see me get nothing. When I first came down, they had Ball State and we was able to file the grants and that paid for our college. I did three semesters of my Ball State and I went to lock up. By the time I came back off of lock up, they said, we need $5,000. I said, I got three semesters done. What do you mean? We need $5,000. I said, no, they said if we got three semesters done that you should be able to finish yours. Now, people that only got one semester, they said they charging them 5000 So I had to go through a bunch of red tape just to get that done. You know what I mean? But long story short, there's no more grants. So if you want any type of secondary education, you got to pay $5,000 out your pocket. And that's $20,000 for a social degree. Long story short. And who has that type of money? Lock up. You're locked up. You make cents an hour on the greatest job, 25%, 25%. So what is they really promoting? If you telling me that you want $5,000 from me, but I don't even make that in a year working here, what are you promoting? You want me to sell some drugs in your penitentiary. You want me to go rob people in your penitentiary because they the ones bringing the tea. So they're trying to deteriorate and stagnate growth because we had computer technician when I first got locked up, culinary arts, barber college, print shop, GD, um, Ball State, um, auto body shop. You had several vocations, you know what I mean? Now... They ain't got nothing but GED, a college that's called Oakland City University that they pay a 5000 a semester. That's not even recognized on the streets. It's not even recognized. When you get out here and they look up your stuff, it's going to be like you ain't even got a associate's degree. With that being said, it's like you're trying to stagnate. You don't want no growth in that prison. All you think of us is numbers, money. So you want to keep me here as long as you can because that's another 55000 if you can I'm just sitting back reflecting now, man, on events that transpired. And it's crazy, man, because going through it, it's like when I first got locked up, they had what was called idle with pay and idle with no pay. Now, what this is, is if you have a job, you can get money. But if you didn't have a job and you was able to get a job, they gave you $18 a month. They stopped doing that in 2006. So, if I'm able to get a job and you don't have enough jobs to give me one, I'm just broke. They give you indigent kit. One indigent kit a month. Just if you ain't got nothing. Which, if you can't get a job, you don't have nothing. Because some people won't have nobody out there. So, they struggling. So, in that indigent cat, they give you a hotel soap, the little hotel soap, a couple packets of shampoo, two razors, one pack of lotion, what else in that thing? And I don't want to take nothing for the Indiana Department of Corrections because they so great. Toothpicks. That's for a whole month, man. Like, they say that's what you get once a month. Man, that bar of soap don't last you but probably two days at the most. And it's going to be gone. You know what I mean? So, if you're not 
given the $18 that you used to do when I'm out of trouble and I can get a job but I'm applying for jobs and can't get one, once again, why don't you promote it? You want me to go take it because the average person, this is a dog-eat-dog world. If you see a victim and he know he can get him and he got a lot and he want to work but he ain't got no job, he's not going to stay musty. It's either pray or get prayed on. So now you promoting violence inside of your prison because you know this going on. You know he ain't got nothing. You see what I'm saying? So now he's robbing this dude and this dude robbing this dude and then he gets stabbed and then they get jumped. And then guess what? They stay on lockup. And then guess what? They got another year, and that's another fifty-five thousand. So it just bewilders me, man, that we ain't been fighting all together this whole time because we need more people like the IDOC Watch. We need more Calphines. We need more Fahims. We need more Balagoons. We need more Mustafas. We need more Shockers. We need more Kwame's. You know what I mean? Because Pretty soon, if we don't continue to fight, they gonna do some stuff that's gonna shock the world. Because the food, oh my God. When we first got locked up, they had fried pork chops, fried chicken, Macaroni and cheese, biscuits and gravy, french fries, a salad bar with all the salads you can eat. Like if you didn't get full off your tray, you got a big old salad bar and rice dressing, and you can get as much salad as you want. Now when Intermark came in 2006, that same food we was given, now we get paid for. We got to pay for it. It's called Fresh Favors. They just marketed Intermark. Now it's Fresh Favors. Now for that same cheeseburger I was getting on the tray for free, now you want six dollars for them same French fries. I was getting free. Now you want two dollars for the same calzone. I was getting. Now you want ten dollars. This is crazy, man. But they getting away with it. But they say that we the criminals. But it seems like they the ban the criminals because they getting away with it and it's not being stopped. They, that food that they give you now on Earmark is all soy, 85% soy. I didn't have nothing when I went to jail. I got high blood pressure now. I have seizures now. I got a bed back now. I tell you so much stuff, they didn't mess me up. Diabetes, sugar. It's just, it's really sad, man, because it's like, it's like they don't care. And that's why bad stuff happened to them. Karma, it comes around. It might not be when we won't, but it comes around. I made it, and now I'm working, and I'm trying to help with injustice and abuse in prison and implementing programs to try to help go through the proper chain of command and proper steps to help better the situation without having to fool with the government because they ain't trying to help. We already discovered that. So what's the next thing to do? Because we tried to talk to y'all. We tried to get help. I tried to get off the top bunk before I had a seizure the right way. And what happened? Nothing. And so it made me stronger. I wouldn't change it for nothing because it made me the man I am today. And I feel like I'm a great man. I'm well-educated. I have a GED, associate's degree in business management and counseling psychology, building maintenance certificate, 
I'm well-rounded. Struggle brings success. So I feel like my best revenge to government is to be successful. So by me staying with productive and positive people and changing people, place, and things in my life, I feel I can do that. So I'm going to move forward, continue to do good, and do these motivational speeches, talk to these young kids, and try to help pay it forward because I was there in their boat. And I thought when I was 14, it don't matter what I do, you can't lock me up for the rest of my life. I'm a child. I can go till I'm 21, but you can't lock me up. I ain't that dope. It ain't true. So I'm here to tell them youngsters out there, just because you're young, don't think you can't do anything because you can be me. I was locked up at the age of 14 and came home at 32. So the struggle is real. And... Ooh-wee, it's a lot on my mind right now, a lot going on, man, a whole bunch going on. Well, I appreciate everybody listening to me, man, and I hope that these words of encouragement can enlighten you to what's really going on in the Department of Fakeness. You know what I mean? If y'all hearing this, help. You know what I mean? You, you find somebody, teach them. You know what I mean? Good karma comes around, man. You know what I mean? Who don't want to do something positive and productive? So, join the fight. You know what I mean? And let's do what we have to do. Revolutionary, stand up, and help fight the IDOC because they ain't know nothing. And they ain't trying to do nothing but implement Programs that's going to fatten their pockets. That's it. Privatized earmarks. You know what I mean? They stopped giving eye cares. This is crazy. I forgot to tell y'all this. They stopped giving eye cares because eye care didn't want to give them more money. They stopped doing eye cares. Eye care was something to where your family can get online, order you a pizza because you don't got the money. They can order you a piece, send you a gift bag, body wash, stuff that you can't get off commissary. Irish Spring. I never had Irish Spring to like 2011. I never had that stuff. It made my body feel tingly. You know what I mean? So it's like things that people take for granted, people in there don't. You know what I mean? So they stopped all that just because the DOC wasn't getting a big enough cut. They was getting like 10%. They said they want 30 because it's coming through them. And Acker said, no, we're not going to do that. So they took them out to prisons. So once again, it's all about fattening their pockets. Every evidence after everything always end up in one thing, and that's money. They don't care about educating you. They don't care about helping you with your mental problems because they leaving them brothers with mental problems on lockup, killing themselves. They secluding them because they don't want them to be out there. They ain't giving them the right medication. They ain't helping them with nothing. So they trying to destroy our minds, but we can't let them. So stand up, my brothers and my sisters, my comrades and my convicts. Wake up. The struggle is real, and they trying to kill us. So wake up and do something about it. Because I don't want to hear nobody talking about nothing if you ain't doing nothing about it. So do something. And that's my last words. Do something.
This has been KiteLine. Anyone affected by the prison system in any form is welcome to write us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. KiteLine wants your feedback. You can reach us via email at kitelineradio at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Are you or someone you care about affected by the prison system? You can call us to record a message to be played on the air at 812-269-2512 or you can use this number to record a message to a loved one behind bars. You can hear previous episodes of our show or get more information on the prisoners or stories covered on KiteLine at our website, kitelineradio.noblogs.org. You can also find our podcast on iTunes. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. We are not responsible for all views expressed on the program. WFHB, its contributors, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the views expressed on the show. This has been KiteLine. Join us every Friday at 5.30 p.m. for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our communities. Thank you for listening. Pretty soon, if we don't continue to fight, they're going to do some stuff that's going to shock the world. <laughs>